exclamation point on a near perfect season. Mark Truex Jr. is the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion. He'll never be introduced the same way again. From now on, it'll be Will Power Indianapolis 500 winner for 2018. Checker flag. Power and Penske win it. Kyle Busch. And here comes Larson. Larson to the bottom of the track. Side job. Trying to take the lead away. Side job. Almost. The momentum. The contact. 18. They make contact. The 18 in the wall. NASCAR, IndyCar, and all things motorsports. It's time for the left turn here on X106.7. Now, here's your hosts, Jacob Blair and Trevor Mayer. Welcome into the left turn. I am Jacob Blair. Alongside me is Trevor Mater. And before we get going today, we do want to remind everyone that the views and opinions expressed by the left turn hosts are of the host and do not reflect the views of Northwest Missouri State University or KZLX. Trevor, how's it going? I, I hear we've got a birthday going on today. Is it your birthday today? Not must, mine. Oh, then it must be mine. I'm, yeah, it's 22 isn't really... Don't let Taylor Swift fool you. 22 is not that fun, or at least I haven't found that in the 12-plus hours I've been 22. So I'm doing great. A good weekend of racing this past weekend, uh, the Xfinity Cutoff race, a interesting, exciting last quarter or so of the race yesterday in Dover. So we have a little bit to talk about today. Not as much as we did last week, but yeah, still enough. Last week was the crazy cutoff race with the Roval. This week, the first race of the round of 12 and for about four or 350 laps, excuse me, boring. it looked as though we were going to have to keep this show at about 30 minutes because there wasn't going to be a whole lot to talk about because for a long time it looked like Kevin Harvick was going to run away with this and make this Dover race look like an old race from Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, he started up in the front. Qualifying was, was washed out on Friday due to a shower that came in, so he started, I believe, second outside front row Kyle Busch starting the pole and Harvick wasted no time getting to the race lead Bush led the first 15 laps Harvick pretty much took over from there and led a total of 286 laps on the day that's just under 75 percent of the race and it looked like he was well on his way to not just winning but putting on like you said a Jimmy Johnson type clinic at Dover had about a seven second lead with about 50 laps to go or maybe it was 60 laps to go. I can't remember when exact that window was, but they start to cycle through that last cycle of green flag pit stops, and he, he has a big lead, comes in. Unfortunately, the, the valve stem on the tire, they didn't get it all the way on, so he had to come back in a second time, ended up losing a lap, and thwarted any chances he had of picking up a win, and what was a dominant day for him. Yeah, we we saw Kyle Busch. He ran well early, but that car just didn't look. It looked like after that about first twenty laps, that car left him and never came back for the rest of the day. So uh, Kyle Busch struggled and, and hurt himself with a penalty there too. Martin Truex Jr. The, the other one of the, the big three, he had a penalty late in that one as well. So those three drivers all, all hurt themselves, and with those issues, that put Eric Almarola up front with about fifty to go, and he looked like he had this race won. And Kurt Busch was there as well. It was a big day for Stuart yeah, Haas. Yeah, it looked like all day Stuart Haas probably had the four fastest cars with Harvick, Almirola, Busch, and Boyer. At one point, I think they were all running the top five or six. And all the chaos with Harvick and Busch, it hands the lead over to Eric Almirola, and you're thinking, okay, this is finally when he's going to get that win. And the issue with Harvick, he had that issue under green, and then there was a caution that came out for a axle out on the racetrack, a little bit of debris. So they threw that caution, and that set it up with about 45 to go. They'd been out there on, on 
on th those tires for about 20 25 laps at that point so everyone came in to get four fresh tires that had Almirola up front and then we went green for it looked like it was after that it looked like it was going to go green for the rest of the way and then uh, another issue for a Stuart Haas driver Clint Boyer it looked as though he broke a track bar when he came to, to pit lane, but it ended up being a loose wheel. I've never seen a wheel that loose without ripping off from the hub. It was weird because at first he thought he had a flat tire. So he comes down pit road, and NBC's showing the, the, the camera's point on the tire. And tire looks fine. And I think it was Steve Letarte pointing out, you know, well, normally to me that's that means the track bar. So they come in, they look at it. And he had said over the radio, and I think Marty Snyder pointed this out too, that if it was a track bar, he didn't want anything to do with going back on the track. That he just felt like it was one of those things that it would just end up breaking and bringing out a caution. So he comes back on the track. And what? If it was a track bar and he went back out there, he would have wrecked. Oh, yeah, he would. Well, he ended up wrecking anyways. Well, we'll get to he, that. He, he comes back out there, and uh, yeah, just not a good day for him. A good day to begin the day, but then the last 50 laps for Stuart Haas were just not good. And Clint Boyer, he goes back out, so now you think everything's okay. Eric Almirola still got this race won. Clinton Boyer, or Kurt Busch was closing up to him, but once he got about within a second, it really kind of stabilized out. So it looked like Eric Almirola had this race won, and he is a playoff driver, and that would have been huge for him moving forward, moving to the round of eight. But then another issue with his teammate, Clint Boyer, this one completely separate from the issue he had just a few laps before ends up, I, I think he said it had something to do with his brakes, but ends up into the wall hard, brings out a caution with about 11 to go. And at that point, now everything has gone crazy because now you've, we've got split strategies as we come to pit lane. Yeah, you saw some guys opted to stay out to, with the fresher and to trust the older tires. Um, I know Eric Almirola came in. They felt like fresher tires on a short run as fast as they'd been all day. Gave them the best opportunity. Um, Kesla, Brad Keselowski stayed out. Denny Hamlin stayed out. Chase Elliott stayed out. There's somebody else that stayed out that I'm forgetting. Was it Alex Bowman, maybe? It was Bowman, Elliott, and then I'm forgetting. Did Joey Logano? Three, there were three that stayed out, and then two guys got two tires. Hamlin was, was one of the guys. Was Keselowski one of the two tire guys? He was guys. one of the two tire guys, and then it was Bowman, Elliott, and I believe it was Eric Jones that got yeah. that that all stayed out. That might have been who it was, uh, and that that set up strategy where the the first guy off off of pit lane with four tires was Eric Almirola, but that put him restarting in the sixth position. You take this restart. It took a while to get Clint Boyer's car off the track because there was some fire, some fluid they had to take care of, and at Dover, anytime you, you wreck there, you're in a kind of hard spot for a tow truck to get yeah. that car off the racetrack quickly. So he's now starting sixth, and you're under caution. The laps are winding down. So when we go green, there was only about five laps to go. So he had to go at that point. He knew he had the best tires. Goes to the high side in turn one, picks up, picks off two of them. He gets to Keselowski on the outside, and then old Miles the Monster reached out and grabbed Eric Almirola. Yeah, and it's funny because the, the Miles statue right outside of, of the racetrack all weekend had been holding Eric Almirola's car, a diecast for Eric Almirola's car, and, it looked like coming into that turn, Amarola just his car tightened up a lot, and it was really either bounce off the wall or try to save it. And when he did, Brad Keselowski was had nowhere to go, and both those guys end up getting collected. And then Keselowski comes down the track, and Dover's weird because sometimes when a guy comes down the track like that, they come flying down. Sometimes it's a little bit of a slower slide down the track. And Alex Bowman, another playoff driver, he even said in his interview afterwards, he thought Keselowski was going to come down a lot quicker than he did. So he thought, I'll just stick to the bottom and I can clear him. 
and he didn't. Keselowski slowly rolls down the track right in front of Alex Bowman, had nowhere to go. I believe Ryan Blaney also caught a piece of that as well in that accident, but it, it ruined Alex Bowman's day, who was running in the top 10. He was doing what he needed to do to give himself a chance here in the round of 12, and when it's all said and done, you've got three playoff guys, two of them that had legitimate chances to win the race. They kind of put themselves in a bad spot going forward to the next couple of races. And getting to to what actually happened with Eric Amarola, watching it, it, it almost looked as though coming off the corner and Dover's that weird track were both going in and, and on exit. You've almost got, because of how steep the banking is, and, and they say from the, the outside driving to the inside, it's three stories that you're dropping into the racetrack. So the load that's put on these race cars at Dover's you know, the, the biggest load they will have all season. And just coming off the corner, it looked like when he got to that, that hump on exit, it bottomed out the splitter. And at that point, it just shoved him enough to get him in the wall. And then Keselowski, he's racing hard. He's right there, didn't give Almirola any room to catch it. The two got together. And then talking about Keselowski sliding down the track, he was actually flying down the track, and that's when he collected Martin Truex Jr. When he hit Truex, Truex was another guy that when he hit Truex, that shot that that kept him right in Bowman's path. Bowman actually probably would have missed him if Truex wasn't there, but that's not how this stuff works. Truex was there. Bowman gets involved, and then also uh, once Truex got hit, that broke his right front suspension, and then he flew up the racetrack and actually collected Ryan Blaney as well and put Blaney in the wall. So you had five cars involved in this one, all five playoff drivers. And once they got this whole thing cleaned out, I think it was the best thing that Chase Elliott could have hoped for on those old tires because now he had got to let those tires sit there under a red flag and cool down. Well, and a lot of the guys behind him, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, Eric Jones, they were kind of on similar strategies. They weren't on fresh four tires either. Not that I, Logano might have. Was Logano on four tires? Four fresh tires. I can't remember. I think he was. He was I think one he of those was. I think he four. was the only the only one of those guys that was. And then you had Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick, a little bit further on back. But uh, Chase Elliott's lost a lot of races due to things like this happening. Um, you think back to Martinsville last year where he had the race won until Denny Hamlin took things into his own hands. I think he actually had a race at Dover a couple years ago where he had it Just won. last year. Yeah, before the caution came out and Kyle Busch was able to get him. So it was nice to see Chase Elliott get the win in a way that he's lost a lot of races and kind of an unlikely candidate. To, I wasn't sure Chase was going to punch him, was going to get into the round of eight, and now he's guaranteed into the round of eight. And in the round of eight, there's some tracks that he runs pretty consistent at, too. Yeah, Chase Elliott at this point now, and he's going to pick up a couple more playoff points. But Chase was a guy that started this round on the outside looking in, and now he's punched his ticket in. So that's one spot that you said maybe would be difficult for him to get into the round of eight because we didn't think he really could get a win in this round. He's now got one. He moves on. That sets a lot of things up. But to talk about this tire strategy at Dover, two tires isn't, necessarily that much of an advantage at Dover because there's so much load on the left side tires that it, it, it helps but it's not as, as great as we see as some of these other mile and a halfs where you get the two tires versus no tires versus four tires and especially at Dover you, you can hang on for, for two or three laps on old tires and then you can see the difference and that's and that's where that caution I think really helped Chase Elliott is he broke up those that, that five or six lap run where I, if Eric wouldn't have had that issue off a of turn two. I think no doubt Eric would have gotten to Chase Elliott and, and drove right around him. But having that broke up helped Chase Elliott, and he had those two, you know, one three lap run, one two lap run to to take care of of business, business and end up with the win. Denny Hamlin finishes second, Joey Logano third, Eric Jones fourth, and Kurt Busch fifth. So Denny Hamlin, Eric Jones both knocked out of the playoffs and. 
They, they had a little bit of, of a redeeming run there. Kevin Harvick battled back for a sixth-place finish. Austin Dillon, seventh. Kyle Busch in eighth. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in ninth. Daniel Suarez in tenth. And then your playoff, rest of your playoff drivers, Ryan Blaney in 11th. Kyle Larson had a, a tough day and ends up with a 12th-place finish that doesn't put him out of the conversation at this point. Eric Almarola was able to, to repair his car enough to finish 13th. Brad Keselowski, 14th. Martin Truex Jr., 15th. And then you have to go down the way, list a ways to get to Alex Bowman, who ended up 28th. Clint Boyer ended up 35th. We already talked about those guys. One guy we have in is Jimmy Johnson. He had a terrible day. Another odd, not Jimmy Johnson, and that 48-like deal didn't even take the green flag on pace laps. They break a lower ball joint, have to go back to the garage, and he's out of this one before it even starts. Yeah, and that's kind of when I go back and say that's why they were trying to get wins. That's why they were trying to get the win at the Rovals because this is a team that probably wasn't going to make it into the round of eight anyways, so why not give yourself a win? And Jimmy, I've noticed at Dover, Jimmy either dominates or he has the dumbest luck. You think back to, was it I think three years ago, when back when Dover was a cutoff race and a seal on the gear or a seal on the axle broke, and he had a good car that day, and it broke, and he ended up finishing like 36, and it knocks him out of the playoffs. Um, Jimmy just, for whatever reason this year, they cannot catch a break. Yeah, and it, it's it, the 48. Jimmy's never really gone a season without winning. He's a never race. gone a season without a win. He's on his worst winless streak of his career. It's just not looking real good right now for that 48 team. And we'll now switch and we'll look at where the points are sitting for the Monster Energy Cup Series. One race into the round of 12. As Chase Elliott, as we mentioned, has punched his ticket into the round of eight. Kevin Harvick, he sits 68 points above the cut line in second. Kyle Busch sits 63. Martin Truex Jr., he's 36 above the cut line in fourth. Joey Logano, 31. Kurt Busch, 21. Brad Keselowski, 21 as well. And then Ryan Blaney currently holds down the eighth spot and the final driver above the cut line at 10 above. And then it's Eric Almarola and Clint Boyer, two drivers that, as we were talking about, had... had Opportunity cars to, to win the race. Cars to win the race. They both sit 10 below the cut line. Kyle Larson, 12 below the cut line. And at this point, if you're Alex Bowman, you're 34 behind the cut line. You almost got you almost, you almost got to go into a mode of we've got to win races. And I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Um, I think Chase Elliott has made himself into a, a championship contender this year. You look at how he's ran the last 11 races. He had a bad run at Las Vegas, as did every other playoff driver. He finished 15th at, at Indy. Other than that, 5th. 7th, a win, ninth, 3rd, 5th, 4th, 6th, and a win. And when you get to the round of 8, which he's locked himself into, you go to Phoenix, where the last two times he's finished 2nd and 3rd. You go to Texas, where he's never finished worse than 11th. And you go to Martinsville, where he's had a couple top 10s in the last two years. Plus, he was a freak accident away last year from picking up the win. So he's got to be feeling really good about going into that round of 8. Yeah, and another point i want to bring up is when you look at ford right now they have found something yes. in those blue ovals that that have them right now a step above everyone right now five of the eight drivers inside the cut line they're all ford drivers at one point in the race at dover six of the top seven at the top six were all where it was four stewart Haas drivers and then the two penske drivers and then blaney was like like in ninth so seven of your top 10 were all ford drivers and you've got an opportunity here where, I mean, the way it looks right now is you're going to have five Ford drivers into the round of eight, and the two drivers out of the cut line, they're also Ford drivers right now. 
You, you can throw Kyle Larson in there a little bit, but Ford right now is a, a very good shot to take on this championship when we go to Homestead. I think they got the, the best opportunity. Stuart Haas definitely has the best opportunity with all all four cars still alive in the round of 12. So it's going to be interesting. Talladega is the ultimate wild card. I think we've maybe kind of underlooked Talladega because we were so focused on the Roval last week. But uh, if you're Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick, you're sitting uh, in excess of 50 points above the cut line. you got to be feeling pretty good about this week, but still a bad week here, and, and you're right back on the hot seat come time for Kansas. Yeah, with Talladega, you, we'll, we'll you know, preview that a little bit later in today's show, but you're, you're 60 points above the cut line, so you're not going to fall below the cut line. But if you have a bad day, then that makes it where at Kansas you've got to run really well. So they have that buffer. But if you're any now, even if you're Martin Truex Jr., you're not sleeping well going to Talladega. No, you're not. And the only guys that I think are somewhat comfortable going to Talladega are obviously Chase Elliott now that he's locked in and then Harvick and Bush. And you look at the guys below the cut line, not many of these guys have had a lot of luck recently on restrictor plates. So be interesting. And now we will go ahead and take a quick break here on the left turn. And when we get back, we'll turn our attention to the Xfinity Series as they were also at Dover as their race took place on Saturday. Welcome back into the left turn. I am Jacob Blair. Alongside me is Trevor Mater. And we're going to continue talking about the Dover weekend. As this time we'll look at the Xfinity Series race and the cup race looked like it was going to be boring. Unfortunately, the Xfinity race kind of stayed that way all race long. Yeah, Chris Bell needs to be in a cup car. That's pretty much all I've taken away from, from that is he it wasn't even really close on Saturday. He did what he wanted to do. Yeah, Christopher Bell won stage one. The only other driver that looked like at any point they had anything for him was Daniel Hemrick, who led 23 laps during the race and, and won stage two. Cole Custer and, and Justin Allgaier also led some laps, but... Again, it was Christopher Bell that, that picked up the win, and now he is the winningest rookie driver in Xfinity Series history, picking up his sixth win this season. I didn't realize that he wasn't already the winningest rookie driver in Xfinity Series history. I mean, six wins, and he's done it to some different types of tracks, some Richmond, Kentucky, New Hampshire, Iowa, Richmond again, Dover, and who knows, he could probably peel off another win or two here in the next couple of weeks this uh, the kid's just super talented. There's no hiding how much talent he has. At some point, he is going to make it to the big show in, in the Cup Series level. It's just a matter of when and where. Um, I know we kind of talked about that last week. You know, just you end up at you think Chip Ganassi racing would be the best fit for him. I personally think that there's no way Chip Ganassi will want to repair that many race cars between him and Kyle Larson. And we've seen before that they cannot seem to manage having two successful cars. I still think he's the guy that replaces Denny Hamlin down the road in a year or two. I mean, you look at Hamlin's dropped off immensely. and Almost a cliff. Yeah, like it's bad. It's really bad. And I think he's the guy to replace Denny Hamlin probably in 2020. I think he takes the Chase Elliott road. I mean, Chase Elliott was ready to go to the Cup Series after one year. I mean, he wins the Xfinity Series championship his rookie year. And that might be the guy that has the, the record now I think about it. But he wins the record. He wins it his rookie year. And he comes back out, and he puts up another good run in his next year, finished, I think, second in the points to Chris Buescher. But he was ready to go after year one. Unfortunately, the ride wasn't there for him. I think the ride will be there for Chris Bell probably in, in 2020. Yeah, and it was uh, 
there were three drivers tied at five. Uh, it was Greg Biffle who did that in 2001, Biffle. Kyle Busch in 2004, and then Carl Edwards in 2005. All won five races as rookies in the Xfinity Series. So Bell will take that. Away from them is and stand alone at six, and it's he's gotten a little bit of help with that because uh, some of the races he's won, the, the cup guys haven't been there, but even races that they're there, he's up front battling well, for wins in those. And, and you think at Kentucky, um, Kyle Busch had some, some weird things happen to him in that race. It took him out of it. Um, I can't think of who else was in that race that had, had troubles. It might have been Ryan Blaney or Paul Menard, but um, he gets the win there. And then same thing at New Hampshire. He was able to get the job done. And well, a handful of those races have been mainly Xfinity drivers. Uh, Iowa, for example, in the last couple, he's won as well. But there's no taking away with what this kid's capable of. I think if you put him in a cup car, it'd be just a matter of time before he's, he's contending up there as well. Yeah, and in this race at Dover, again, it was Christopher Bell that picked up the win. Cole Custer ended up running second. Just, again. Justin Allgaier was third. Ryan Priest in fourth. Spencer Spencer Gallagher with a good run in fifth. And then Brandon Jones, a playoff driver, finished sixth. He was one of the four drivers to be eliminated after the round of 12. And Brandon, you, the, the only real drama you saw in this Xfinity race was when he uh, played some strategy and, and tried to, I think he took two tires and tried to just stay up front close to the end of that race. It didn't work out, but it was a solid sixth place run. But unfortunately, he didn't do enough in the first two races to, to make that sixth place mean anything. You realize Cole Custer now has finished second like four times this year. Still doesn't have a win, and he's finished second three of the last or two of the last like five races. Yeah, we, we talk about that sometimes. How hard it is to get a win, where we're seeing it with Daniel Hemrick. You, you see it with Cole Custer in the in the Cup Series. You saw it with Kyle Larson. You saw Chase it with Elliott. Chase Elliott. And now Chase Elliott took him forever to get one, and now he picks up a second one at Dover when maybe he really shouldn't have won that race. And, and now they'll they'll start clicking. So maybe it's another thing with Cole Custer where once he well, gets one, and he and has he can, a win. I mean, yeah, you go back to the, yeah. the last race of your last year at Homestead. He has a win. That that was such a, a dominating performance. I don't really yeah. know if you could call that a win. More the, more or less, he just no one else showed up that yeah, day. Yeah, he he made everyone else look silly in that one. But I think right now, I I honestly take away Christopher Bell. I think Cole Custer's a championship favorite. And I know we were talking off the air. I, I would not be surprised come Homestead. My championship four in the Xfinity Series were Christopher Bell. Justin Allgaier, Cole Custer, and Daniel Hemrick. We could see a situation where the way Allgaier and Bell have been this season where they're not afraid to go for it, we could see a situation where those guys take each other out, and then you've got Cole Custer and Daniel Hemrick racing for fifth place to decide the championship because that's kind of been where those guys have been all year. It's going to be interesting. It was Daniel Hemrick that ended up finishing seventh at the race at Dover. Austin Sendrick was eighth, the playoff driver. John Hunter Nemechek in the 42 car was ninth. Ryan Truex was tenth. Other playoff drivers were Elliott Sadler. He finished 11th. Ross Chastain, 13th. Tyler Reddick, 14th. Matt Tift, 15th. Ryan Reed finished 16th. And that rounded out your playoff drivers. So when you look at the playoff points, the four drivers that did not make it into the next round were Ross Chastain, Brandon Jones, Ryan Truex, and Ryan Reed. And the only one there that maybe was disappointing, not necessarily surprising because he was in that four car, but really was, was hoping that he would be able to put together the races to make it to the round of eight was Ross Chastain. Yeah, and that's the only one that changed coming into Dover. Chastain was on the inside. Austin Sindrick was on the outside, I believe. And... um Cindric was able to do what he had to do to put himself into the round of eight. And Ross Chastain, I would have really liked to have seen what he could do in that 42 car. I think had he 
been in that 42 car from the get-go, he'd be right up there with Bell and Allgaier and Custer and Hemrick, and I think he'd have a legitimate shot to get to Homestead. And this is where the, the stage points are so important, is it wasn't necessarily the fact that Austin Cindric finished 8th and Ross Chastain finished 13th. That wasn't enough to single-handedly put uh, Cindric in, because Chastain had a 9-point gap heading into that final race. The The issue was the stage points. Austin Cindric picked up a, a bunch of stage points in the first two stages. Ross Chastain didn't pick up any stage points, maybe picked up one. Uh, picked up one enough. in stage two. Yeah, not enough, and it was really the stage finishes for Austin well, Cindric that pushed him into the next round. And you look right now, Austin Cindric, he picked up eight stage points to Ross Chastain's one stage point. So that's seven points he gains right there just off of finishing eighth in stage one and then sixth in stage two. So that was that was a big difference right there and cuts it down to where now you've only got to finish a spot or two better than, than Chastain did, and he was able to do that. Actually, had a, a solid run all day, comes home eighth, whereas Chastain finished 13th. Yeah, so unfortunately, again, Ross Chastain, Brandon Jones, Ryan Truex, and Ryan Reed will not be battling for a championship, so that sets up your round of eight as the Xfinity Series will have this next weekend off as they will not be running at Talladega. They will start their round of eight at Kansas, but here's how their their points shake up as they head to that. Christopher Bell, he sits 33 above the cut line heading into that round. Justin Allgaier sits 28 above the cut line. I think he couldn't be happier to see these points reset yes. and, and start over. Daniel Hemrick, he only sits two above the cut line. And then right now, starting this round, Cole Custer and Elliott Sadler are tied. So on I believe the tiebreakers, the tiebreaker will be if they end up tied at the, the end of the round, the best finish. But Cole Custer, they have him at that four spot right now. And I think the way Custer's been running, I think that, that definitely favors Cole Custer. Yeah, Elliot Sadler sits fifth. And then Tyler Reddick, he's one point behind the cut line to start this round in sixth. Matt Tift, eight points. And Austin Cindric in ten points. And there's really not anyone that's too far ahead that they can feel comfortable and not anyone too far behind where they feel like they're in a must-win situation with, with the way the playoff points work going into this round. Yeah, I mean, it's Christopher Bell is obviously in the best position right now because he's a points leader and he's got a 33-point 30, advantage. And we're going to Kansas where he won at last year and he runs well at. And then you get to Texas and Phoenix, which are tracks that suit him well as, as well. But a one bad race, and he could find himself uh, right there in the mix with the guys missing the cut line. Um, same thing with a guy like Tyler Reddick. One really good race, and all of a sudden he finds himself on the on the inside of that championship four. Or a guy like Matt Tift, or a guy like Austin Cindric. I got to believe Austin Cindric's going to be in the 22 the rest of the year, I believe. So that's a car that's shown speed at times this year. Maybe he can do enough to, to scrape himself into the championship four. Yeah, and it, this round for the Xfinity Series will look a lot different from the Cup Series or even the Truck Series because they they go to Kansas, they have this week off at Talladega, they go to Kansas, they take another week off as everyone heads to Martinsville, uh, both the Trucks and the Cup Series, and then their round of eight will conclude at uh, Texas and Phoenix. So it, the, their round is a little bit less of a wild card, even with the, the – to get to the championship four because the Cubs series, they still got Talladega for the round of 12. But then Martinsville, we've seen that kind of messed with some guys on the truck series and cup series. The Xfinity series doesn't have necessarily those, those wild card races sitting here in this round of eight. Yeah. It's, you don't have a track like Talladega, like you mentioned, or even the Roval that would have been in the last round. It's pretty cut and dry. There's guys that run really well at these tracks. And I think it benefits the, the top three right now, or the, Todd, guys, I think the top three championship contenders with Bell, who runs really well at Kansas. Allgaier runs really well at Phoenix. 
and Cole Custer runs has been run really well just about everywhere this year, particularly Texas. So um, I, I think those are the three guys that have got to be feeling really good. And then you've got Daniel Hemrick as well, who's probably never going to win a race just because that, that seems to be his luck. But he's going to finish second or third or fourth or fifth or somewhere up there to, to steal points from somebody. Yeah, and again, the Xfinity Series will not be running at Talladega this week, and they've got a week off before they come to the good old Kansas Speedway. And as of now, we will go ahead and take another quick break here on the left turn. When we get back, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're not going to talk about racing, but we're going to look at the rule package that NASCAR released for the 2019 season, the Aero package for NASCAR. And it's an interesting one. We'll be back with that here on the left turn. Welcome back to the left turn. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you. We have and a friend, but we won't turn his mic on. Now, we, we had a friend last week, and we kept the mic off that time as well. And, but we'll do that again. Yeah. Let's, I don't, we, can't, we can't hear him. So, <laughs> anyways. So now we will, we will look at uh, we'll, we'll go off the track here for a minute. Uh, it's on Tuesday. And I'm glad this happened on Tuesday and not Monday while we were on air because... We wouldn't have had time. We wouldn't have had time, but it we might have... I, I don't know what would have happened, but the NASCAR released the aero package rules for the 2019 season. And every couple of years, they, they keep doing something a little bit different to try to improve the racing. And this year, it gets a little bit more interesting is for the first time in a long time and I don't even remember the the last time this happened. We will not have restrictor plates at restrictor plate tracks. So that's Daytona, Talladega. That, that's one of them. We'll still have it for Daytona. They're not going to move that one yet, but that's just one of the changes. They're going to, uh, uh, excuse me, a smaller uh, radiator opening in the front. They're going down from 37 inches wide. They're going to take that down to 31. There's not going to be a two-inch overhang on the splitter. The spoiler, they're going to make that bigger. It's going to be 8 inches by 61 inches. But then the big the big change this year is they're going to change the aero package based on the size of track, but they're not going to do it with any look of the car. They're going to do it with a tapered spacer, and then they're going to either block off or open up the, the ducts on the front. And what what this is going to do is the tapered spacer right now, they have those on the, these cup cars right now, and it's it's – just under an inch, and when you're talking a tapered spacer, that that's going to restrict airflow to the intake. You restrict airflow, you're going to reduce horsepower. So they've got these these tapered spacers right now, where they're about 750 horsepower on short tracks. So tracks under a mile, they're going to leave it alone. All you're going to see is the, the bigger spoiler adding more downforce. Where the change is going to come is on anything over a mile. They're going to put a larger tapered spacer in there now, about one. It's officially 1.17 inches, and that's. That, that's a lot of tapered spacer on there. You're going to take it to about 550 horsepower. And then on those tracks as well, you're going to – and I'm not sure quite how they're going to do this yet with the aero ducts and, and the brake ducts. They're going to seal those up at some tracks. They're going to let those open and push tire on uh, air onto the front tires. But this rule package is going to really change the way racing looks at 1.5-mile tracks. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I'm not as smart when it comes to the, the engineering stuff of it as you are the setups, but uh... – I don't, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Is it going to be indifferent? I think, you know, and Larry McReynolds said this the other day. He, he said, just wait. We, everyone kind of freaked out when this happened because you're talking about taking, you know, a, a top-level series out there, and you're going to drop them to 550 horsepower on 
a, a mile and a half track. We saw that attempted at Charlotte this year at the All-Star Race. They, they put a massive tape, tapered spacer on there. They dropped, I think, 450 horsepower. Maybe it was 500 right around there. And we saw a completely different style of race at the All-Star Race. They're going to take it down to 550. So what you're going to see is it's not going to look like a, a Talladega or a Daytona but cars are going to be able to, you're not going to see very high straightaway speeds. The, the tracks at these mile and a half, two miles, where you're seeing these 212s, 213s going into the corners, that's not going to be here this time around. They're not going to have the speed down the straightaways, but they're going to have a lot higher corner speeds due to the added downforce they've added to the cars. So the, the concern I have with this package is the cars are going to be able, now they're going to be able to suck up right to someone's back bumper, where now you can... You can get close to someone, but you get within a half second, you really can't get a whole lot closer. Now you're going to be able to do that. Now the issue is, though, can you ever get away from someone, or, or can you actually pass someone, or, or are we just going to be able to suck up behind them? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, the restrictor plates, I'm interested to see how that works out because we've never seen races on the super speedways without restrictor plates. I mean, as long as you and I have been, been alive following NASCAR, it's been restrictor plates. Um, I think 2000... 2001 was when they really started to push that and i personally i really enjoy them if it's gonna keep my thing is i want to see when we get to those quote-unquote restrictor plate tracks are the cars still gonna stay banded up like they are Are we still gonna kind of see that pack racing that we've seen at talladega for the last 10 12 15 years if we're going to, then okay, whatever, I can deal with this. If not, then I want nothing to do with it. it, it it'll, it'll look the same because, you know, you're, you're saying tapered spacer. You're saying restrictor plate. All, all both of those are doing is restricting airflow to the engine, reducing horsepower. Your restrictor plate, all it's doing is reducing horsepower so there's not the top, top speed on the car, and that's why you see the draft. The tapered spacer is going to do the same thing. So the, the restrictor plate tracks not where is not where the worry comes in. It's on these mile-and-a-halfs to, to two-mile tracks. And then you also got to look at the short tracks as well because the, the engine package, the, the, the tapered space that they have on it now is what's going to stay there. You're not going to see any difference other than now they have more downforce on these short tracks trying to up the corner speed because what they've realized is these cars right now are so hard to drive that, that it makes it hard to race. But my thing is it's the Cup Series. These cars should be hard to drive and they sh- they should have a lot of power and they should be hard to drive so hearing something say 550 horsepower that concerns me a little bit just because these are cup cars they should have a ton of power and now we're going to see uh, we're going to see it, we went towards you know putting the, the race back in the driver's hands now we're going to see it go back to more of this you know all about mechanical grip and the car and the the issue i've seen with with what nascar has been trying to do is they're trying to make the racing better, but the problem I see is everything is so aero-dependent. Is the air on the front of the car means so much to these drivers. You get close to someone, you can't do anything, and this package doesn't change that issue. To me, you've got to do something where cars are less aero-dependent. It's not a power issue, which is where they're going at it right now. They're trying to change horsepower numbers, trying to get these cars closer together. It's not a power issue. It's an aero-dependency issue, and they really haven't addressed that, in my opinion. And to me, there, there's a lot that goes into it, but the first move is just get the cars off the ground, and that goes for all levels of motorsports. Stop with the sealing cars to the ground because that puts so much engineering, so much mechanical grip on the cars. You seal these cars to the ground, get them off the ground, stop sealing them, and then go from there with getting this aero package where it needs to be. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. NASCAR sometimes likes to, to change things when they don't really need to be changed, and then they don't work out. Um, 
and sometimes they do work out. Uh, you go back to even something like the Chase. There are people that were saying, "Oh, well, why why are you changing this if it's not broke? Don't fix it." I will fight anybody that I think that has been a, a really good change. They made some other changes too that right, wrong, or indifferent. That's what they that's what they decided. So I mean, I, I don't know. Well, let's see what it is before we start saying it, it doesn't work. And, and one other issue I, I do just want to hit real quick is. NASCAR is expensive. We know that. We're, we're mm-hmm. seeing Furniture Row Racing leave the sport. Jimmy Johnson's losing lows as a sponsorship. Sponsorships are hard to come by. And, and as you know, a NASCAR organization, it's time to try to reduce the cost of this sport. Or There's not going to be much left in, in five years if they can't get it a little bit cheaper. So you look at the, this tapered spacer. We're going to reduce engines to 550 horsepower. My initial reaction to that was why are we still going to have them build engines that are capable of 850 horsepower if you take the tapered spacer out why not just put a 550 horsepower engine mm-hmm. in these cars we've seen that in the truck series right now you, you the toyotas are still running you know trd racing engines but everyone else is under a, a nascar spec engine that why, why don't we do something like that where if you want 550 horsepower build a 550 horsepower engine don't build these you know, 800, eight, yeah. 850 horsepower engines. And when you talk 300 horsepower, that's a lot of thousands of dollars to get there. If you're going to, if you're going to restrict it down to 550, just put a 550 horsepower engine in the car. That's the one thing about this rules package that I, I just would like to see. They're not doing anything within, you know, if we're going to, like I said, if you're going to reduce the costs or reduce the power of an engine, if you're going to do that, reduce the cost of an engine. You could build 550 horsepower engines for a lot cheaper than you can what they're going to be having in these cars next year. Well, I and mean, we've seen the the car count in NASCAR decline over the last five, ten years. You go back to five years ago, ten years ago, there were a lot of times there'd be 45, 46 cars try to qualify for a race at Las Vegas, and that was back when there was a 43 car field. Granted, but now. I mean, how many races a year are there where there's more than 40 or 41 cars? And there's been a handful of races where there's been just 38 or 39. Well, there's been some races. It was even down to 36. And if you go and you you take, you know, if you build, like, 550 horsepower motor, you can build one for for $30,000. 850 horsepower motor. Now you're you're talking, you know, $80,000, $60,000, depending on, you know, how strong you want to get that engine it's it's a cost thing and, and get the cost down and you, you'd see if you can get the cost down you'd see you know these these teams spark up and maybe if, you know you go to a, a less powered engine you'd see more cars be able to make it to the racetrack because they can afford to put a competitive 550 horsepower engine in their cars versus not being able to to compete at, at where it is right now yeah but i don't think that'll happen because it's nascar i mean let's let's be honest uh, that's probably why it won't happen. Yeah, so that is the new aero package rules for the... Do you feel better now? I feel better, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've been wanting to say that pretty much since uh, Tuesday. Okay. And, and, That's why and, I just well, shut and, up and, and listen. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like that we shouldn't change something. It, it's bad. The more I'm questioning on is the way they're going about changing it. and you know. But we'll... But, you know, listening to, to Larry McReynolds, there's one thing I like. It's what they do on, on Fox with his McReynolds yes. rant. Those always seem to be, you know, really good from him. He said to everyone, just calm down. Let's see what happens next year. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I want to wait to see what happens when we get, you know, to Atlanta next season. And maybe, 
maybe it's a good thing and, and we'll see what happens and it might be something that midway through the midway through the season they go hey this isn't working we're going to go ahead and change this it's going to make everyone mad again but it might be better because you got to be able to play with this stuff as the season goes on i agree okay, so that will cover the 2019 new aero package rules for nascar and we got to take another quick break and when we get back we'll preview the nascar weekend from talladega Welcome back into the left turn. I'm Jacob Blair alongside me. I'm Trevor Maynard. Yeah, that's that's Trevor. Because he took care of it that time. Yeah. Right. As now we will talk about the weekend from Talladega this upcoming weekend is for the Cup Series. It will be the second race of the round of 12. And we're going we're gonna to get to truck, talk truck racing again. It's been a while since Finally, we mentioned Finally, it's been like guys. six months since they ran a race. I'm just kidding. It's been, what, like three weeks, a month, something like that? been about a month it's it's been less than a month since we've talked about him because we're, we're talking about him a week ahead of time so it's been three and three weeks or so since we've talked about him but they will be back in action it'll be the trucks freight auctions 250 on saturday it'll be noon it is 94 laps in length and then when you look at the truck series points is they've been it's in the playoffs race, they've too. been in the playoffs for a while but this is a cutoff race and it's the the cutoff race for the round of eight yeah, um, and the two guys that I think we thought coming into the round of eight that weren't going to be in there with Justin Haley and Grant Enfinger, they've already clinched their spot into the round of six thanks to wins. So now you look at it and you look at the standings. Ben Rhodes and Stuart Friesen, they're on the outside looking in. Uh, ben Rhodes just five points below the – actually, no, it would be more than that – seven points below the cut line, and Stuart Friesen ten points below the cut line. So not totally out of the realm of possibilities for those guys to get in with how crazy the restrictor plates are. And with the truck series, you've got a lot of guys that don't have a ton of experience on restrictor plates. And um, I know we were talking before, you know, the over-under on 15 trucks finishing on Saturday. You could go either way on that. It, it, either way, I'm going to almost take the uh, under on that. I think around 12 to the 13 trucks will finish. And I think it being a, a cutoff race, for some reason – that's going to make the rest of the field a little bit more restless than normal because they're going to know, hey, we've got these playoff drivers going around, and that's just going to make everyone a little bit crazier than normal. You, you've got guys like Ben Rhodes, Stuart Friesen trying to fight their way in, and by no means, especially at Talladega, are they out of this whatsoever. And if you're Johnny Sauter, you're not comfortable at 40 above the cut line. You're either. safe you're ish, safe, but you're not. But you're not comfortable because if you go out and let's say someone makes a mistake because there's a lot of young guys in the truck series, someone makes a mistake – you get taken out lap three, there's 60 points left out there for Ben Rhodes and Stuart Friesen to go get. Yeah, so nobody is completely safe. This Sauter, he's such a good restrictor plate racer that he, if he, he, should, he, be should, okay. he should be fine. Noah Gregson's the one that really scares me, um, given that he was one of my championship four, because he's not known to be the most patient person in the world. And um, a lot of times the restrictor plates, uh, the guys that come out on top are the guys that are the most patient and just kind of let things play out. That's not Noah Gregson's forte. That's why he races for Kyle Busch Motorsports. And uh, Brett Moffitt, I think, will I, – I, he's not comfortable either right now, 18 points above the cut line, but I think he's all right. And Matt Crafton is in serious trouble, I think. I think he's the one that could end up getting bounced. And he hasn't had a whole lot of luck at restrictor plate tracks as of, of late. He tends to end up on his lid. Yeah, I think that's happened twice now for him. But it's going to be an interesting weekend. And if you're – 
you know, Noah Gragson, you said you're worried about that. Matt Crafton, you're worried about him. But, you know, other than, like we said, Justin Haley, Grant Infigure, you're worried about everyone. Is, is This is the one race where it can go bad for anybody. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. I wish we weren't preoccupied with some Northwest football on Saturday. Otherwise, I might have to, to tune into that, as that is going to be an interesting one for sure. And then the Cup Series will also be at Talladega. It'll be the Cup 1000. It'll be the 1000bulbs.com 500. That'll be at 1 p.m. I think they should run 1,000 miles. Let's <laughs> yeah. do it. Would that be 376 laps at Talladega? because yep, it's 188 laps yeah. on uh, Sunday. That'll be on NBCSN. The truck race will be on Fox Sports 1. So the, this Talladega race, and, and it's not a cutoff race for the Cup Series. It's just a... It's a mid-round uh, race. It's the second race in the round of 12, but this is where we're going to see you know, 12 drivers. Someone's going to have a bad day come Sunday at Talladega. I think a couple of them could have a bad day. Um, you look back, we were talking about on, during the break, the restricted play races this year have been pretty tame except for the 500, but the fall race at Talladega always has a weird way of guys get really antsy. And um, and I think the last couple of years it was maybe because it was a cutoff race. Last year it wasn't a cutoff race, though, and only 12 cars finished on the lead lap or 13, something like that. And we have guys like Greg Galding able to hold on for a top 10 finish. So that's what I love about restricted plate racing is you do not know. It is, it is so wild, and it's the ultimate wild card that a guy like Martin Truex Jr., even a guy like Kevin Harvick, is not completely safe. At Talladega this weekend, yeah, and it being the the second race of the the round, you know, if you're if you're a guy, you have a bad day, it's not the end of the world. It just makes it a lot more difficult for you. Come Kansas, obviously Chase Elliott, he does not care what happens come Sunday, and that's the best place to be in. But to best talk- for him, maybe not for for everyone else, because he's just out there now trying to build up playoff points. And maybe we've, trying we've to seen see Chase Elliott make some daring moves at restrictor yeah. racetracks. But to talk about how the, the fall race at Talladega is a little bit crazier is it's that final restrictor plate race. It's the final race for, for drivers that don't normally have a shot at winning to have a good race. And they're going to be pushing a little bit harder. That's, you know, the Bubba Wallace's, the Ricky Stenhouse, William Byron. Harris, William Byron. It's their last chance this season. Even got like Eric Jones. Yeah, to, to really go up there and fight for a win because they haven't shown the speed up to this point to, to be in that conversation. But at Talladega, anybody's in that conversation. Yeah, it's tough to, to pick a winner for this one. But, uh, Jacob, who are you picking this week? I think I'm going to go with Chase Elliott to go back-to-back simply because he's not going to be worried about anything. And I think that bodes well at a track like Talladega because you can go and you can make those aggressive moves. If you're a guy like Joey Logano or or Kurt Busch or even Brad Keselowski, you've got those points in the back of your mind. You're like, maybe I don't want to make this block here because I don't want to get turned and lose a couple spots where Chase Elliott doesn't have that worry. So I think at the same point that makes him – you know, maybe the most vulnerable out there to make a mistake. It, it also puts him in the best position to pick up a win. Well, the truck race on Saturday. I'm going to have to go with Johnny Slaughter on that That's... one because yeah, I just think he's he's got too much uh, experience at, at a restrictor plate track versus what normally is in the truck series. It's kind of kind of what I'm leaning to in the truck series. I think Slaughter's the most experienced guy. I think he's going to kind of let things play out, whereas a guy like Noah Gregson, maybe even Brett Moffitt or Stuart Friesen, they're going to be more aggressive and it might not work out. For the Cup Series, I'm going with Brad Keselowski. He's won two of the, the last three fall races, or two of the last four fall races at Talladega, and the other two were won by his teammate, Joey Logano. So I think there's a, I think this is a, I think this is a Ford weekend. Maybe yeah. it's not Keselowski. Maybe it's Blaney. 
Maybe it's Fagano. Maybe it's a guy like Paul Menard, who this is his best chance to win a race this year. Even a guy like David Reagan, who runs really well there. But I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski. That's my pick to win at Talladega this week. And the, the one the one thing you see with the, the cup cars in the last couple years at restrictor plate tracks is they're no longer hooked up. The, the issue they have is you can get runs on guys now, and you get a run. We've seen a lot of times a guy will block, and then a guy will you know, bump yeah, him right there. Not normally a good idea to throw a block. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll get into his back bumper just to give him a, a, a shove, saying, hey, I didn't appreciate that. But what it ends up doing is it ends up picking up the, the rear tires on the guy in front of him, and it, and it spins anyone around. We've seen this from the Daytona leader, 500. From, from, from third, and that's the concern you have for someone like, you know, a Keselowski or Logano is at any point in time, you know, you can just throw a simple block or someone can give you a simple bump draft. They're not trying to do anything. They're not trying to hook you. They're not trying to get under you. They're just trying to, to get the momentum rolling, and you find yourself pointed towards the fence. I'm excited for Talladega. Uh, I hope – I root for mayhem in these types of races. Like, I want there to be four cars finished on the lead lap, and I hope it's Kyle Weatherman, Matt DiBenedetto, David Reagan, and Joey Gase. Like, that's what I hope for. So, I hope it's chaotic this weekend. So – a fun weekend of racing at Talladega. A crazy weekend we can probably assume will be occurring at Talladega, but that will wrap it up for us here on the left turn. For Trevor Mater, I'm Jacob Blair, and we'll be back again at 2 p.m. next Monday to talk about everything that happened at Talladega. Thank you for tuning in on the, to the left turn here on X106.